Yeah, Mets, a uh, little intra-squad game today, and then hopping on the plane for New York as they get ready to open up the season this Thursday against the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, we'll have coverage beginning at 11.30. Mets on deck live from City Field on Thursday morning. And joining us right now, uh, covering the Mets for the Athletic this season, it is Tim Britton. And uh, Tim, it's great to have you on the show. How you been? How's everything? Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, it's the first time you've been on, but... Uh, I was reading up on you, but you grew up a, a Mets fan. Or what um, you know? How exciting is it to be you know covering the team you, you watched growing up? Yeah, I mean it, it's different. I haven't you know ha- having covered the Red Sox the last seven years, I, I don't know the team the way I did when I was like nine and ten years old when I knew everything inside and out. Uh, so th- this spring has been learning learning them again, getting to know the guys. Uh, and it'll be exciting to be at City Field for what what could be a really intriguing season, I think, for the Mets. Yeah, I, I heard uh, Matt Harvey, you know, kind of taking a, an underdog role, saying that they could shock some people over the course uh, of this year. And, and Mickey Calloway seemed to echo what he said. Do you sense that that's kind of the the attitude that the Mets have in camp that they're being counted out, but uh, that the talent's still there? Well, I think so much went wrong for this team in 2017 that it, it's hard for, for people, even fans of the Mets, to wrap their heads around that it wasn't that long ago that this team won the division, won the pennant, uh, and even just two years ago was in the wild card game, uh, despite getting through some injuries in, in 2016. So I, I think there is talent there to, to make a run, maybe more than, than people expect. Uh, I do still think the Nationals are the class of the National League East, yeah. uh, and I think that might be what the, what the Mets are trying to, to push back against, is this idea that the Nats are going to run away with the East. Uh, but they're confident. They like the way their spring has gone uh, for the most part. Uh, and they're healthy, which is, uh, you know, th- things went well on the injury front in spring, uh, maybe aside from Dominic Smith uh, and Rafael Montero, obviously. But you're, you're getting Michael Conforto back probably sooner than you expected. Your, your pitchers have gotten through healthy outside of the Vargas, maybe missing a start or two at the start of the year. So I think, I think they're happy with where they are. Uh, you know, a couple of days before opening day. And Cespedes had some nicks this spring, but, uh, you know, long home run against the Nationals the other day, and it would seem that, you know, he's okay going into the season. How about, you know, what happens with Zach Wheeler here? He's always been a guy, well, if he's healthy, he's capable of this and that. And even with Jason Vargas going down, Wheeler doesn't get that fifth spot in the rotation, will be going down to, to AAA Las Vegas. As Mickey Callaway's talked about from day one, accountability, accountability, accountability. What kind of example do you think, um, yeah, that is that Wheeler gets beat out for that fifth spot by, by Seth Lugo? Yeah, I mean, he, he preached accountability uh, in the offseason and into early spring. We saw Dom Smith get benched the first day when he showed up late. And we saw, you know, Callaway said throughout spring, we're going to bring the best pit- the guys who are pitching the best with us uh, north uh, at the end of spring training. And Wheeler was not one of those guys. And, and whereas I, I think I was a little surprised by that, uh, as the spring went on to realize, oh, like he is in trouble of not making the team, even with Vargas' injury. Uh, it, it's Callaway backing up what he said, which is important for a first-year manager. Uh, you know, Lugo is not, it's not uh, like you're bringing up someone who doesn't have major league experience over Wheeler. Uh, so Lugo is a guy who can slot in the back end of that rotation, obviously pitched really well in 2016 before uh, struggling more so last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wheeler's just got to go to Vegas, which is not an easy place to pitch. Uh, and pitch with conviction is the word that the, the Mets have used a lot. They want him, you know, everyone knows how good Zach Wheeler's stuff is, uh, but he doesn't always pitch like he knows that. Uh, and that's what they want to see him do. 
uh, in the Pacific Coast League, which might be the most difficult place in baseball to do that. Yeah, it's a brutal brutal spot to try to figure out, as we've seen uh, for many Mets pitchers over the years, and that'll be up to Wheeler to make it happen down there as we chat with Tim Britton of The Athletic. Uh, how about you know Mickey Calloway, being around him a lot over the course of spring training, how did you notice him uh, develop some more comfort in terms of being the guy, being the manager, even you know just making those in-game decisions that have to be made uh, time and again? Yeah, I mean, he said uh, at the start of spring training, he, he would take 60 spring games to get used to being on the top step of the dugout, being the guy making the, those decisions, uh, whether it's pinch hitting or taking a pitcher out. Spring training is not really a great dress rehearsal for that because you, most of the time you've got it plotted out beforehand uh, what you're going to do. Uh, there's not a lot of intense in-game decisions to make. So I think that's a part of the game. We still don't really know where he's at. Uh, but we saw him, like I just said, uh, kind of hammering home the mess, you know, walking the walk in addition to talking the talk when it came to accountability or early in spring. Uh, he, he's kind of set the right tone so far. I think players liked that the workouts were a little bit shorter, a little bit uh, more relaxed this season uh, in spring than they had been in years past. So it's kind of a, a different environment in the clubhouse so far. Uh, you know, it, it's always a test for a first-year manager. Uh, like, what happens uh, when things go south for the first time? How do you respond to that first three- or four-game losing streak, especially in a market like New York? Uh, how's that going to work? How's Mickey Callaway going to stand up in front of the media uh, twice a day at that point in the season? I think that's when you'll really get a sense uh, of who he is and how right he is for this job. No, I agree 100%, but there's no doubt he's going to have some different ideas in terms of how to run this team, how to handle a pitching staff, certainly after being the pitching coach in Cleveland. And I know you you wrote about this uh, not too long ago, but what are you most intrigued by in terms of what the Mets could do differently with, say, the back end of their starting rotation or with these uh, you know guys that give you distance sitting in the bullpen, which uh, they haven't had in recent years? Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, we'll see uh, at, at least the first couple times through the rotation with, with Lugo there. Uh, he, you know, he's not going to be in the bullpen, but you've got a guy like Robert Gesellman back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I always wonder, and that, that's a guy, you know, he's not used to pitching every day. So maybe he's not up for a traditional relief role where, okay, we'll give him the sixth inning or something behind one of the, the back end starters. Maybe you look to get two or three innings out of him, a guy who can go through a lineup once himself. Rather than wait, rather than using kind of your whole bullpen in a day like that, if you're if you're going in behind a starter who only goes through the lineup twice, like Callaway has said, you know, I, I think early in the season we might see him uh, take uh, guys like Harvey and Matt and Lugo now that he's in the rotation out after you know five innings, getting those eighteen, getting those going through the lineup twice, those eighteen batters. Uh, we've seen numbers get a lot worse for just about every pitcher, but especially those guys the third time through the order, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe having uh, relievers with some length. Uh, Gazelman's really the main one there now, but I think Lugo, maybe even Wheeler down the road are guys who could play a role uh, like that uh, and kind of you know, free up that, that kind of big four they have at the back of the bullpen with Swarzak and Ramos and Blevins and Familia. Uh, where you don't have to go to those guys each and every night, uh, and especially not in the middle inning. Well, how about Harvey uh, towards the the middle back end of this rotation? I mean, he'll be the, the he'll start game number four this year because they didn't want him to you know face the Cardinals again. Saw them recently in spring training, but Harvey's the guy today who's saying, "Hey, we're going to be really good. We're going to shock a lot of people." Uh, I don't remember him even you know in his best days being a guy with a whole lot of bold proclamations. You know, Noah Syndergaard, we've heard that kind of thing in the past. What have you noticed? from Harvey as this spring has progressed and you know, he's had a, a number of solid outings uh, to, to finish things up is his you know confidence higher than than maybe it was early on in spring training what have you noticed from him yeah I mean it's, it's been a nice spring for him I think really aside from uh, an inning or two 
that, that kind of went south on him. I remember one against the Marlins uh, where he gave up three runs. Uh, he's been really, really productive uh, in spring training. You know, I think he, he's basically, he might be the X factor for the entire season for them uh, because you, you got an idea of what you're going to get out of Syndergaard and DeGrom, excuse me. Uh, but Harvey's kind of that, that symbol of the other, that next tier of guys, guys who have been successful at the major league level. Uh, and you're just, you, you want to see if they can do that. You know, maybe he's not a game one postseason starter the way he was uh, in 2015, but if he can be a slightly above league average starter, that really changes the look of the rotation. And that's what he's looked like in spring training so far. It's a different animal come the cold weather uh, and come, you know, come the National League rather than the Grapefruit League uh, in April. Uh, but it, it's been uh, an encouraging start for him. The stuff looks a little bit closer to what it used to be rather than what it was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's been a nice step in the right direction for him. And, and I think the, him saying the things he did uh, this week suggests that he is feeling more confident than maybe he would have earlier in spring. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised, you know, I'm not surprised to hear Amet say those things, but coming from Matt Harvey specifically, it, it did uh, jump out at me a little bit as we chat with Tim Britton of The Athletic. Um, you know, now you mentioned you, you previously were covering the Boston Red Sox and the Mets today. Uh, picking up a, a former Red Sox first-round pick in Bryce Brent, uh, who's on waivers from the Pittsburgh Pirates. What, what do you make of you know this move? We haven't seen the Mets be, be terribly active with uh, waivers over the years. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think people have talked about it, beyond kind of their current five outfielders, uh, which includes Michael Conforto. There's not a lot of outfield depth in this system. That's why we've seen Wilmer Flores and Phil Evans uh, out there taking fly balls in spring training. Uh, so Brent's is a guy who doesn't have options left. So I don't, you know, I don't know what that means for the opening day roster. If he's a guy who supplants Evans there uh, come Thursday. Uh, but he, he's an, another piece that can be in there. Uh, you know, he hit 31 home runs in AAA last year, made some swing changes uh, in April and May that really paid off for him, and he was able to stay healthy for the first time in a while. He's a guy who's always seemed like he could be a platoon option in, the, in a corner outfield spot against lefties with some power. Uh, and it feels like last year was the first time he really tapped into that consistently. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they do carry him early in the season, if they get him some starts here and there uh, against lefties. Because uh, I think he could be a good complement for this roster if they're able to keep him on the roster uh, early in the year. Yeah, as you mentioned, no options. So if they want to send him down to AAA, he's got to pass through waivers, which uh, he didn't for the Pirates uh, because the Mets grabbed him. And then, uh, or otherwise, he's got to find a way to stick around in this team. You, know, you mentioned Wilmer uh, getting some some time in the outfield. Are they comfortable with him out there based on what they saw, or is that something that you don't anticipate seeing anytime uh, in the early stages of the season? I think there's a difference between comfortable and willing to do it. Mm. Uh, I think that's where they are with it. Uh, you know, Callaway said they'd be willing to have him start games out there. I don't think they want to be doing that at any point early in the season. Uh, I think it's more uh, an emergency situation. You get a little short on the bench. Uh, you know, there, there was a time this spring, really much of the spring, where they were thinking about carrying 13 pitchers, so they were only going to have four bench players. Uh, and in that situation, you really need the versatility uh, with a guy like Flores to be able to play there in a pinch if you get there. I think that was mainly the goal, and he looked decent enough out there where in an emergency situation you can throw him out there. I still don't think, you know, on the, the fifth or sixth game of the season we're going to be seeing Wilmer Flores starting in left field for them. No, well, let's, uh, let's hope not. It's uh, Tim Britton of The Athletic, and check out his stuff over there. And and one day, Tim, we'll talk about that uh, 16 nothing brave shellacking of the Mets where Matt Franco <laughs> finished the game on fireworks night and I was there as well, and uh, you, you couldn't leave. That was the worst part of it. It's fireworks night. you got to stay. you got to get your money's worth there, you know? It's... <laughs> Did you go the next year? 
Uh, no, no, we were we were kind of a, a one game a year family. So okay. that scared us off fireworks night. Well, we, we, decided, we we always try to go for double headers. The next year is the good one where they were down eight to one and had the ten run eighth uh, inning and Piazza hit the big home run down the left field line. I wanted to leave that one, but uh, Dad smartly wouldn't allow me. But uh, Tim Britton of the Athletic, uh, thanks for coming on, bud. We appreciate it. Oh, anytime. Thank you. All right. Tim Britton, and uh, you can check out uh, his work at The Athletic. Of course, where Mark Craig, our friend uh, you know, formerly of Newsday, has jumped as well as uh, Ken Rosenthal there at The Athletic as well. And, um, you know, look forward to seeing what Tim has uh, in, in store for us over the course of the season. 800-321-0710. The number to get involved, again, 800-321-0710. Uh, we'll talk some Mets, look at what this opening day lineup might look like on Thursday and what it should look like as well. And we've got a Mets tickets giveaway. We'll have another pair in the 8 o'clock hour. We've got an MLB Network prize pack to give away here. Your chance to win $1,000 coming up at 8.05. So a lot happening in the sports with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. So Mets closing in on opening day. They're done down in Port St. Lucie. No more game action. No more Port St. Lucie, period, as the team has uh, made its way up to New York. You'd imagine, uh, you know, workout day. Coming up on Wednesday and then Thursday, they started up uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals. And again, coverage beginning at 11.30 a.m. Uh, this Thursday with Mets on deck live from City Field, uh, right by the Jackie Robinson Rotunda and the apple that's out there across the way. Uh, so we will be in our usual spot uh, for you uh, come opening day uh, t- uh, on Thursday. So uh, certainly looking forward to that. Now, as for you know, what the Mets are looking to put out there at that first day we've been talking you know for a lot of the spring who's going to be the leadoff guy for this Mets team who's going to end up in that spot and with the big spring that Brandon Nimmo had uh he would be you know what appears to be the opening day leadoff man the first guy to get a Mets at bat this year will be Nimmo and you know it's been quite the ride for Nimmo uh you know from first round pick to all right he's going to be a project and then it seemed maybe he'll max out as a fourth or fifth outfielder uh, but uh, there was a lot of interest in him this winter when we had Sandy Alderson on on Friday night he described that a lot of teams called up about Brandon Nimmo specifically mentioned Andrew McCutcheon as a name uh, that came up with uh, talks for for Brandon Nimmo and the Mets they didn't want to trade you know six years of Nimmo for one year of Andrew McCutcheon and uh, we had heard of course you know through the rumor mill that Nimmo's name came up for Josh Harrison as well uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates and I asked Sandy was it hard to you know hold on to Nimmo when you have names like that being dangled and he said no they uh, you know really have a, a lot of faith in Nimmo and and he brought up the point that. Nimmo, based on what he's done offensively last season as well as uh, what he's shown this spring, including some extra power, you know, now the conversation isn't, well, he's got to stick around in center field to be a fourth outfielder. Now, if he can hit with a little bit of pop, you can play him 
in the corner outfield. And if you could do that, well, all of a sudden, the story changes for Brandon Nimmo quite a bit. So uh, Sandy was extremely high on Brandon Nimmo when we talked to him on Friday. And, you know, of course, mentioned the character being a big reason why uh, they drafted him in the first place. They knew that he would try to get every ounce of talent that he could out of himself. And you've certainly seen that. And, you know, it's been a big time improvement for Nimmo over the last year or two. And, you know, gets rewarded for it for now with the leadoff spot and you know who knows how long he sticks there you figure once Michael Conforto is back Nimmo will go into a fourth outfield role but you know there's still plenty of at bats to be had uh, in an outfield that you know has a 30 something in Jay Bruce and you know Yoenis Cespedes who's you know had his dings over the last couple of seasons and then Michael Conforto coming off shoulder surgery as well there are going to be at bounce and opportunities there for Brandon Nimmo even afterwards. But uh, initially, yeah, he'll be the leadoff guy, and he's been a, a terrific on-base guy for uh, this Mets team. Then, you know, you can expect to see, and this is based on the lineups the Mets have put out over the course of the last week, but, uh, you know, something a little different. You want to assess, but as for a short period of time last year, hit second. Uh, that experiment did not last very long with Terry Collins, just a, a few days, but... Uh, you know, Cespedes is probably going to be the number two hitter for this team, even when Michael Conforto comes back. So uh, a little different look there, but that's the trend around the game. Best hitter in that number two spot. Want to get the most amount of at-bats possible out of guys. So uh, you'll see Cespedes there. And then Jay Bruce, Todd Frazier, Estrubal Cabrera, Adrian Gonzalez as the the heart of the order, as uh, I guess it used to be known. Not so much anymore when Cespedes is hitting two. Uh, but you have a lot of power there, not a lot of speed. Uh, you have a lot of age uh, in that group as well. And for you know Adrian Gonzalez, I think uh, it'll be a big test early on in the season to show what he can do because you know fans are going to get on him quickly, I think, if he doesn't get off to a, a decent start. Because there are a lot of questions. He's 36 years old, didn't hit a whole lot last year, didn't hit for any power at all. And how much does, does he have left? Uh, he's been a tremendous player in the past. He wasn't last year. And as we know, around the game, you start hitting your 30s now and things can go downhill in a hurry. And that's the concern uh, with Adrian Gonzalez going into this year. So while he had a slow start in spring training, uh, he finished a lot better. And the Mets hope that that's a sign of things to come. And, you know, quick start's going to be important for Gonzalez. And, you know, Sandy's saying they're still high on Dom Smith, but, you know, Dom's got to show he's healthy and, you know, ready to make an impact at the big league level and, and be ready uh, for that kind of responsibility, which uh, we haven't always seen from Dom Smith in the past. So, you know, these are all things that uh, you play around with. But Wilmer Flores is going to get a lot of at-bats there at first base, I think, as well, from the right-hand side. Uh, then Kevin Pouet. Likely to be the opening day backstop. You know, that's an interesting one. Part of it is that Noah Syndergaard is on the mound, and you know, Syndergaard and Darno they like to split those guys up because Syndergaard's not always quick to the plate, and Darno uh, doesn't have the greatest arm down to second base. But uh, Ploiecki and Syndergaard worked well together this spring, and you know, both Darno and Ploiecki played well. Uh, but I think Ploiecki he's really intriguing, and and they'll probably split time between those two as long as you know both Darno and Ploiecki are effective. But Ploiecki intrigues me. You know, he's a decent prospect a few years ago, never on the level of Travis Darno, but uh, he was expected to be an offensive contributor, and we just didn't see it for years in the you know little opportunities that Ploiecki had. You know, Ploiecki talked about recently that. 
know, he tried to do too much in those opportunities. He never really had, hey, here's a month, let's see what you could do. He'd have a few days at a time where he was the guy behind the plate. And yeah, you try to do too much, and you're doing that at the big league level, you get yourself in trouble real fast, which is uh, something that Ploiecki struggled with. But he looked like a different player in, in September last year. He's better defensively than Darno. Uh, he's worked well with this pitching staff. I'm excited to see what Ploiecki can do back there. And I know, you know, there are plenty of Mets fans who've watched this team over the years who, you know, just want to see a veteran catcher brought in and, you know, somebody other than Travis Darno, really. Um, you know, I think Ploiecki is interesting there. I'm more interested to see what Ploiecki could do than, you know, what Jonathan Lucroy would have done, uh, with the Mets coming off, you know, the kind of lousy year that, that he's coming off. And then, you know, Ahmed Rosario likely hit an eighth. And, you know, he's one of those, you know, X Factor kind of guys for this Mets team. If he can live up to the prospect hype that was there for him last year, well, maybe he can move up in the lineup. Maybe at some point he becomes that leadoff guy. He's got the speed and a lot of the other things that you like. He just hasn't had very good control of the strike zone. That hasn't been any better over the course of spring training. Uh, so maybe he doesn't ever really reach what we thought it was possible for him when he was being talked about as a future MVP and the number one prospect in the game. you got to be able to handle the strike zone. But one thing Rosario will do defensively, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And the Mets just haven't had a whole lot of fun defensive uh, infielders to watch over the last uh, few decades, really. So Rosario is going to be you know, a totally different kind of beast going back to the young days of Jose Reyes or um, you know, even Ray Ardonias to some degree, but I think that's that's what you want to see from Rosario. Be a difference maker defensively for that team. And then, you know, Noah Syndergaard will be starting on the mound, and for Syndergaard, sky's the limit for what he is able to accomplish this year. And I've seen, you know, MLB.com, uh, they put out, you know, who they think will win the Cy Young, and they had Clayton Kershaw, number one. And Kershaw, an unbelievable spring, 21 innings, no runs. Scherzer, two, and then Syndergaard, three. And that's pretty high praise for a guy that only threw a handful of starts last year because he tore his lat, and then, you know, we haven't seen uh, put it all together quite yet. But the stuff is just unbelievable from Syndergaard. So if he can stay healthy, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, these are the things that, you know, could be on the horizon for him. So that's what you're looking at. You know, opening day lineup, more than likely for the Mets on Thursday. Uh, it could get a little better with Michael Conforto. You don't have, you know, big-time injuries that have crippled this team in spring. Remember last year at this time, they were without Steven Matz. And then right around opening day, we found out Seth Lugo had a partially torn UCL, and he was out for a couple of months. And, it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, but while you know a number of injuries early in camp, the Mets finishing things relatively strong, with the exception being you know Jason Vargas with the Hammett bone fracture, but that should only cost them a couple of weeks. And you know Rafael Montero being uh, knocked out for the season with a torn UCL, he'll need Tommy John surgery. But Montero had been pitching so terribly anyway uh, that you know probably doesn't affect the bottom line a whole lot for the Mets, though uh, certainly a little less depth uh, than they they might have liked to have as far as the pitching goes. Uh, 800-321-0710. Again, 800-321-0710, the number. Uh, We'll tell you what was good over the course of this weekend. Busy with the NCAA tournament and uh, much more all around the uh, sports landscapes. We'll dive into that. We've got an MLB Network prize pack to give away later on this hour. Mets tickets to give away in the 8 o'clock hour as we go until 9. It's a Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. 
All right, chance to win $1,000 coming up at 8.05. And uh, we've got an MLB Network or three MLB Network prize packs uh, to give away, which we will do in the uh, not-too-distant future here. We've got Mets tickets to opening weekend uh, that we'll have for you in the 8 o'clock hour as well. Uh, can mix in some calls at 800-321-0710. But it is Monday. Uh, it was the final weekend without any baseball. Well, at least beyond uh, spring training action, but uh, ready for it. It has been a dry spell in in New York sports, right? You have all right. The Devils are competing for a playoff spot, uh, you know, for the NHL playoffs. But otherwise, the Knicks have been dead forever. The Jets and Giants barely gave us a football season. It was you know the Yankees losing in the ALCS last year, and you know we have uh, a lot of Mets fans listening here. So even that couldn't really be uh, enjoyed by many and. Uh, it's been uh, a long, long off season, but we're nearly uh, back to baseball on Thursday. And uh, let's tell you what was good over the course of this weekend. And uh, Ray, we can start with you. What, what did you find uh, exciting? You know, this weekend in the world of sports. Well, I know it wasn't the traditional world of sports, mm. but uh, you know, I, I was I got a little bit into the tournament. Just watched a couple games here and there. But when I was perusing the internet, this hit me. And uh, I was I was ecstatic about it. I'm not the biggest fan of the original Karate Kid, but everybody saw it. But the favorite part of the weekend, the Cobra Kai series trailer. 30 years after the 1984 All-Valley Championships, they're bringing back the Karate Kid. It looks so bad that it's awesome. Now, is it going to be a series or a movie? It's going to be like one of these online series. Uh, I'm trying to, I guess, on, on YouTube Red. So it's going to be one of the streaming series. Mm-hmm. It looks beyond awesome. Like, uh, like, like, uh, um, Ralph Macchio is, he owned, Danny LaRusso owns a car dealership now. And, uh, you know, Billy Zabka, who played, uh, uh, who played Lawrence, is now on his, uh, out on his own and reopens Cobra Kai. It looks so bad that it's going to be awesome. It's, 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 this is like Sharknado awesomeness. Well, well, if they're doing it like Sharknado, I'm in 100%. If you can embrace this is going to be terrible and do a disservice to a classic movie, that's fine. I'll get in on that. Yeah, that, that, that that's what I think. It, it, but the, they, there was a smaller trailer. They dropped this two-and-a-half-minute trailer that is beyond funny. If, if you're a Karate Kid fan and know the original movie, there's like references. In it, it, and hopefully that isn't the only good part of everything because that might be what it is. They may have just killed it with a trailer. But to me, I haven't been stopped thinking about this. And I guess it comes out May 2nd, I believe, right. is when it comes out. And uh, when it does, I, I can't wait. It's, it, this is going to be must-see streaming TV for me. Now I'll have to check out that, uh, that trailer and get behind it. I'm not a huge Karate Kid guy, but I grew up with that movie. No, and, and that's the same thing. It's just like, wait a second. When was the could, last time you watched? Karate Kid, Ray. Probably in the nineties. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's right? the last time. That's yeah. not a movie we've dusted off recently. Do you think it ages well at this point? It's probably still no, okay. No, I think it's okay. But it's just, it's just a classic eighties yeah. movie that you know it, it's it's that's why it's almost like to see this thirty years later. It, it, it they're calling it a comedy drama, so that's exactly what what it should be. Is uh, you know. Yeah, get that going. All right, so uh, Karate Kid's making a, a reboot. Cobra Kai the series. Cobra Kai. All right, you know, put it put it on the radar. Um, I had a blast watching Loyola Chicago this weekend. I'll tell you, I, you know, I missed the games yesterday with the the Blue Bloods, the traditional powers, but I, I'm all about Loyola Chicago. I, I don't think there's a bigger fan of the Loyola Chicago basketball team than me. I'm absolutely all in, a number one fan. 
I should be, uh, you know, giving my likeness for them uh, doing that. But, uh, you know, Sister Jean's got nothing on me for Loyola Chicago. Wave the pom-poms for them all day. That's fun. That's what it's about, the NCAA tournament. Ray wants to see all number one seeds make it to the Final Four. And that's great. 11 seed getting in there. Loyola Chicago making some things happen. Loved it. Highlight of the weekend. By far. Big time. Except for axe throwing. Axe throwing is really fun. When axe throwing in uh, in Brooklyn at Kick axe, and uh, I came back with all my fingers. That was pretty good. My favorite part about you doing that, though, was you was you sitting down saying, "You know, there's a technique to it. <laughs> the technique to throwing axes. Yeah, there is. You got to spin it right so that the sharp part hits the wall. Because when the dull part hits the wall, it bounces back at you, and then you got to jump the heck out of the way. That's where it gets a little a little nerve wracking. But otherwise, easy stuff. Easy stuff. Nice and safe activity with a couple of uh, Brooklyn brews. Oh, yeah, with a couple of beer in there. <laughs> Everybody the beer. in there is drinking. That's true, yes. All, all yeah. you hear is axes slamming into wood walls, and everybody in there has a beer in their hand. But kind, no, I, I didn't see any injuries. Kind of like when I do my golfing, and I see everybody in the golf cart drinking and driving a, a beer, driving a golf cart around, holding a beer. Does that kind of not get you a little worried? No. A golf cart? What are you doing a golf cart? Better than an axe. I guess. Mark Weiner has uh, been exploring the world. Yeah, the Bahamas, Pete. Yeah, the Bahamas brought back koozies for us. It was nice of you. Did you watch any sports while you were on the cruise? Would you? Uh, Would you do? They do have TVs, so I tried to keep up with the tournament, but it's hard because you're doing other things. And I was with my friend Tito a lot, so it was hard. Tito. Yeah, my friend Tito. I hear Ray in the background. Sorry, I didn't realize he didn't turn his mic on. Uh, but I had a great time. Caught some sun. Read a couple books. Now is Tito uh, a friend with Kettle, or is that? Yeah, Tito and Bacardi are my two friends okay. that I, I spent a lot of time with. On the boat this past week. Yeah, it was fun. That's exciting. I only gained, how many, I, take a guess, how many pounds did I gain on the trip? Ooh. Is, now, is it all you can eat buffets? There's buffets everywhere. All the restaurants are free. There were specialty dining restaurants, wow. too, that I went to. Well, it was only a week, right? I would say like six pounds. Like, that's a lot for a week. The, higher. Really? Yes. Wow. I was shocked when I weighed myself this morning. That's impressive. I gained nine pounds this morning. Nine Pete. pounds in a week? I mean, a lot of sugary drinks and three big meals a day, plus some snacks here and there. I went all in. That might be a record. What do I you don't think it's a record. Wait, you 24? Yeah. I'm about fine. to be 25. You'll be fine. You burn that off in a week. I hope so. Be gone before you know it. When you're this big, nine pounds is a lot. <laughs> all right. But, uh, but yeah, well, glad you got to uh, enjoy all that. What else? I mean, NCAA tournament, I was into that. You, know, you have all the Beckham stuff this weekend. Uh, you know, the, the Jets with Sue, with that little dalliance for a little while. But I'm just excited. We probably have some, like, legit sports on the weekend now that you could get behind because there hasn't been a meaningful game for one of my teams since... I don't know, do the Knicks count early on this year? Do I have to go back to like a Mets game from April or May of last year? Like I'm a Mets, Jets, Islanders, Knicks guy. What was the meaningful game, the last meaningful game that's been played? There wasn't a Jets game that mattered. Maybe that game against the Patriots when they were like 3-2 and two this year. That was about it. That was fun. I was there. That yeah. was real fun. That wasn't particularly fun. Yeah, the Islanders had a, had a, had a the Islanders started okay this year. They were kind of in good shape They're for the a worst. while. They're the worst. They're going to be the death of me, the Islanders. They really are. They're gonna lose to Varys. They're not even trying anymore. They gotta change. They gotta get rid of Garth Snow. You get rid of Doug Way too. So be it. They gotta do some big changes over there. I got about eight uh, emails and letters over the last week or so, looking to uh, see if I'd be interested in the Coliseum plan or the Long Island plan. Which is what? The twelve games of the Coliseum and three weekend games at Barclays. 
Okay, so you could get the 12 games. 12, you get 12 games. At Nassau Coliseum. At Nassau Coliseum. And then three weekend games at, at Barclays. Barclays. Yeah. That's not bad. I, I thought it was pretty good. If you live out on Long Island, you'd, you'd consider it. But if they don't have Tavares back, I, I would just throw it out. I would rip it up. I wouldn't do anything until I find out what's going on with Tavares before the Islanders go. Are you going to buy his Ranger jersey? He's not going to the Rangers. Come on. You Ranger fans, you'd love that one. Because it really makes you angry. It makes all Islander fans so angry. Well, it's just, you know, that's I not know where it's he's not going to happen. I just, if you, like, today's day and age, the whole point is to, like, be good or get the number one pick, right? That's what all these teams strive for. The Islanders hit it big. You got the number one pick in a year where you have a legit franchise player, have had that guy on their team for nine seasons. And have won one playoff series in that time. And it's not, you can't argue John Tavares isn't a great player. It's just they never put anything around him. If you blow that nine years and you can't win squat with Tavares and he's going to leave after this year, like how are you supposed to have any faith that it's going to get better at any point? That's what you hope for. If you're a Jets fan right now, you're hoping that that number three pick is going to be that quarterback that saves the franchise, right? That's where you want to be. That's the mix that you want to have. The Islanders had that guy and have just blown it for nine years. Awful. If he leaves, seriously, I, I don't know if I can go to another game. I might be done with them. It might be over. To find another team. I won't even find another team. Let's be done with hockey. That'll be it. Maybe the Devils. I'll jump on the Devils. They're Can't playing do one that. right now. Can't do that. I can go Islanders to Devils. If the Islanders let John Tavares walk, I am not rooting for that team anymore. I'm saying that right now. You root for the laundry. No, I'm out. I'm totally out if they let when him walk. When did you get in? <laughs> I've been in for life, Mark. So you're in for life. It's you been can't, a little, can't abandon. I've been in for life. I didn't say I would be. Can't be a hockey fraud like me. Mm, I can. We have tape. 800-321-0710, the number. Again, 800-321-0710. Tom Rock covers the Giants for Newsday. will be with us uh, at 835, and uh, we'll get his take on what's happening with Odell Beckham Jr., as well as you know where uh, the Giants could go as far as the draft is concerned. Are they looking short-term, long-term? Where are they at? Uh, again, Tom Rock will be with us at 835. Uh, we've got an MLB Network prize pack to give away. Uh, we'll do that when we come back, and then Mets tickets to give away in the 8 o'clock hour. It's a sports zone with people. McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, let's give you a chance to win an MLB prize pack. It includes uh, an MLB Network hat, T-shirt, koozie. You make use of that. Uh, a foam finger, much more. Callers 5, 6, and 7 all win at 800-321-0710. Again, 800-321-0710. Callers 5, 6, and 7 all win an MLB prize pack. And MLB Network would like you to know, baseball season is back on Thursday. And MLB Network bringing you 17 hours of live opening day coverage, plus 15 games throughout opening week and live look-ins and analysis from the best in the biz on MLB tonight. Opening week coverage begins this Thursday on MLB Network. And yeah, the season opening uh, a little earlier than we're accustomed to. Usually on a Monday, uh, this time on a Thursday as they extended the season 
by three or four days, uh, try to give some extra off days for these players. You know, in years past, it was uh, you'd have a couple of stretches a year where a team would play 20 consecutive days. Uh, they've done away with those long stretches now, and I think they still play about 17 in a row, but uh, nothing more than that, at least not for the Mets uh, this season. And you know, get a, a little extra rest uh, instead of. You know, a player not playing on, say, a Sunday afternoon after a Saturday night game when you bring the fam to the uh, the ballpark. We have more of those guys actually partake and go out there and play. And nobody plays 162 games anymore, but maybe with the extra built-in days off, you can you know get close to that. And, and maybe it does happen uh, somewhere uh, along the line here. So uh, it seems like a good thing as long as the weather cooperates early. It's supposed to be in the 50s on Thursday. Uh, might be a, a rainy 50 something degrees but uh it's not it's not the nor'easter that uh we were dealing with uh, a week ago uh and, and some rough news for the yankees i mean this is the week where you just don't want any surprises you want everything to be quiet baseball wise just you know get pumped for opening day keep everybody healthy uh the mets for the most part have been able to accomplish that with uh, jason vargas and rafael montero being the exceptions recently but uh today the yankees lost greg bird for another six to eight weeks because of an ankle problem that he has, a spur on the outside of his ankle. He'll need surgery for that, so uh, you can be looking at a couple of months that the Yankees won't have birds. He's been banged up a lot, uh, even though he has a, a lot of talent over there at first base, but you know, that's the advantage that the Yankees have. They have a, a ton of depth over there. They could turn to Neil Walker or you know Brandon Drury in some spots. Uh, they have plenty of guys that they're going to be able to go to. They could you know call up Glaber Torres at some point, give him the opportunity at second base and play Neil Walker at first. Um, you know, if when you're aggressive as the Yankees have been and have the ability to be, and they went out and signed Neil Walker, you know, that could be a real nice signing for them. And Walker, the question for him is always, you know, can he stay healthy enough to play every day? He's had the back problems in his years with the Mets, but he's been a productive player when he's been out there on the field, and the Yankees don't need him to play every day. They'll need him for you know the first couple of months of the season. You know, there'll be another injury down the line where maybe they need Neil Walker to fill in at third base for a couple of weeks, whatever it might be, but you know, he could be a depth player for them, and that's you know, a, a nice fallback plan to have when you lose your opening day first baseman, at least expected opening day first baseman, with uh, you know so little time before opening day. Uh, Mets tickets opening weekend for you to win in the 8 o'clock hour. Tom Rock covers the Giants. Uh, will be with us at 8.35 as well. Right now, a news update.